Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. We're talking to Paul Bresnan, who's based in Southern California, uh, with clients that are universities and uh, credit unions, nonprofits, churches, a number of different, uh, in film we would call genres, but different types of clients in different uh, arenas of business and nonprofit. He's a media creative, um, CEO and president of 454 Creative. And uh, a lot of the people that are listening right now, Paul, are faith-based, a vast majority faith-based, somewhere in the world trying to create content or um, do videos, aspiring filmmaker, a pastor that wants some ideas, uh, how to do something better in their church or their ministry, a missionary, perhaps. What would be some pieces of advice you would give to faith-based groups and people on how to approach and leverage digital media more effectively? Uh, One of them would be storytelling, because I I think that many faith-based groups have great stories. They just don't know how to tell them. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, the the advice is going to vary dramatically, um, depending on the size of the organization and type of the organization. Storytelling, it feels like, is a term in our industry that's been like used and abused and run to the ground and kind of beat up. And I love the principles of it. I like it's normally a mask for something else, right? When everybody's LinkedIn title is storyteller and story brand and story this and story that. And we're really good to like to some degree, what we're missing is the fundamentals of what story to tell. Uh, And so I think that there's like a, you know, the first part of this is not just to shout louder. It's to figure out what story do you need to tell. And that's not just about other people. It's really about what, what the unique value is. Who, who's hearing this? What do they need to understand about us? How do, we, how do we cut through the noise and get them to understand that they have a role to play in this story? Um, and so it's, you know, Donald Miller has a really, Building a Story We're Gonna Broke is a really great book in principles. Like, I, I love that book from that perspective in terms of your, your story isn't about you. You are not the hero of the story. Your customer is the hero of the story. You can't keep framing yourself as that. I think that's a very unique sort of twist as it relates to churches, because some degree that the hero of the story is not even the person or the congregation member or whoever else. Like we need to, there, there's a different articulation in the faith-based conversation where Jesus is actually the hero of the story. And that what we're trying to do is to point back to Jesus. Uh, and so there's a there's some nuance and twist that even exists in that regard. Um, I see this all the time and it happens in churches. The bigger the church gets, the more slick and polished they want to be. The bigger the organization, the more slick and polished the organization wants to be. And they dive deep into things like marketing automations and CRM systems and all this other stuff. And appropriately, so the more people you reach, the more tools you need to have in place to help you provide one-to-one like individual attention. So a couple of key principles that I'll just sort of adapt to the church environment In the corporate environment, what I always tell our clients is that uh, technology should not be a replacement for human relationship. It should enable it. 
right? You're not trying to create video stuff to, to replace the actual one-to-one -one human connection. You're trying to create more one human connection through media. And so, you know, you talk a lot about this, where you place cameras, how you shoot video, that sort of thing. It should feel real. It shouldn't feel like you placed a camera in the back of the room and your goal is to have a podcast or your goal is to have a live stream. If nobody watches the live stream, what's the point? If people don't engage with the congregation and feel that human connection and have some sort of draw in to understand and feel that I'm part of this community and I'm being actively discipled in my community and, and I have a role to play in things like confession and uh, you know the spiritual disciplines and, and like learning to know and understand Jesus, I think there's a different conversation to be had there. In the corporate world, a lot of the focus has shifted from corporate solar storytelling uh, to UGC or user-generated content. And so what we're seeing is that people are valuing this lower production quality being done on cell phones. When you talk about, I mean, seriously, the iPhone has a higher, just rewind three or four years, your iPhone camera is a better video camera than you could spend on a professional video camera from four or five years ago. You're, you're kicking out 4K, 60 frames a second or even higher video quality. You have the ability to turn into it like off of your phone to do video content in a better way than you could have ever done with, that you would have had to pay a very expensive video editor to kick out you know, just, just a short four or five years ago. And that's sort of the beauty of where technology is heading. It's putting this into the hands of an end user much quicker. And so what becomes more important is not the technical aspects, what camera, where you place it, whatever else. What becomes important is what are you trying to get people to do out of this? So as a pastor, one of the things that I learned was the double ramp theory and how you preach, right? What do I want them to know about God? And then how do I want them to respond? What do I want them to do differently? And so I think that that same sort of approach becomes the media like aspect too, right? What do I want them to know about our community or what do I want them to know about God? And what do I want them to do? How do I want them to respond? In the marketing world, we call this a single call to action, single CTAs. Don't introduce 97 things for them to do because people don't know how to respond in 97 different ways. It confuses them, right? So got to make it simple. You've got to condense it down to one sort of call to action, one or two things of responding. What do you want them to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of, I, I look at so many churches and there's always going to be a market for big, slick, well-produced, beautiful sort of uh, virtual church sort of experiences. The churches that I see doing it well, like Mariners is a really good example is if you're going to invest in big and slick, then invest in pastoral care for big and slick. They have a campus pastor that's just dedicated to their video venue. Um, and they work really hard on making sure that the people are there are there for the service. They've done a simulated live environment. So if you're, you can only get into the 930 service if you're there at 930, you can't jump in midstream to only listen to the, the sermon. If you're late to that, you jump into the next service that starts officially at 1030 or whatever the time slot is. I think it's a beautiful intentionality that they're creating into their, their venue sort of experience. It's got plenty of challenges in it, just like any physical location or campus venue does too. Uh, but they're, they're, they're intentionally working through the process on creating community around that environment. You're always going to have people that are sick, 
bedridden, uh, can't get out of their physical environment, traveling for work, uh, doing all these sorts of things that need that sort of engagement, but they're still prioritizing this idea of how do we build community, real church. Like if you think about how you would define church, right? Some sort of communal aspect, right? Taking of communion and breaking of bread, uh, some sort of preaching element where you're, you're, you're being edified in the word and you're, you're learning and growing in that. Uh, a like a, a communal worship experience where you worship God together. There should be some component of sharing. There should be some, some component of giving. There's biblical principles aligned with what church is. And honestly, if you look at what most video venues are, I just want to live stream my, my service. You're getting people into that experience where they feel like they have a form of church, but they don't get the power of it. And it's because you're missing all of the, some of those key elements. I think that's an important conversation for our churches to dive into. And I don't know, I don't know of a single conference that's dived into that. So I, I think that there's some fun sort of theology that is coming out of this where we're ripping off some band-aids and we're saying, hey, there's a different generational construct of what's happening. How do we push back in appropriate ways? How do we say this is where the world's heading? Here's where the church is heading. Here's why. Uh, finishing up our time with Paul President, I know we've, we've kept you for a long time here, but you've been hitting uh, triples and home runs all over the place here. Um, <laughs> in fact, I don't even have to look down at, at my notes. You've answered not only uh, virtually all of my questions, but uh, gone off on some wonderful streams of consciousness and, and spiritual yeah. uh, answers to things. And thank you for that. You know, with all the young people that are listening right now and will listen in the future as they dial back to listen to different uh, conversations in these podcasts, in the library, uh, the canon of conversations. If there was someone young coming up, 18 to 22, 22, 24, that wanted to really have some good advice when it comes to media, creativity, what, what advice would you give them? What wisdom can you, Paul, uh, give them as they start out, where to start out, what their heart should be? I'll let you take it how you want. Um, lots of places to take it. I'll just go, I'll pick one. Um, I feel like recessions are beautiful places for innovation. I feel like more businesses are born out of recessions. I think people walk into a lot of, uh, we're, we're, we're sort of facing the uncertainty globally of what are going to be the effects of all of this COVID bailout money and uh, economies that are sort of, they have to sort of adjust inflation rising rapidly, wars, rumors of wars. I mean, I don't need to tell you the parallels of all the anxiety that this causes in people. Um, I would say that these are beautiful moments for the church to be the church. These are also beautiful moments for us to do our best work. Uh, I, we have grown through every recession because we're hungry. We, we found a problem. We, in the beginning, what you do is you, you are hungry enough that you say, I, I may not know how to fix this problem, but I know that I'm going to work harder than anybody else to figure out how to fix it. And I'm going to solve this for people. And so in a recession, these are wonderful opportunities for people to start businesses and to, or even rapidly expand their businesses by being hungry. Go be innovative, go do things that you don't know how to do and just work your rear end off to make sure that you under, you, you hold your integrity on the line to figure it out. Um, and so I think I, I'm pretty excited for the coming years ahead. 
because I do think that there's a fair amount of uncertainty and shakeup in the market. And I think that those are good, healthy things. If you're just starting out, these are good opportunities. I feel like where we're at is like the left, especially in my space, the things that we know today aren't true six to 12 months from now. And so the pace of learning, the level of innovation changes so fast that everybody has is on equal footing every 12 months uh, to some degree when it comes to a technical skill set. Over time, you'll develop pattern recognition and expertise in a particular space. But right now, if you're young and you're starting out, be hungry, go solve problems for people, go figure out what the quickest way to get it done, double down on effort and time. I remember sitting, when I first started the company, we would sell just about anything to anybody. And I, I remember a client hired us to build and fix their computer network. And I had no idea how to do it, but I said yes. And I would spend every night at home reading through technical product manuals to figure out how to build this VPN structure from his house to his office. And I think I had four years worth of work on everything else that I did at the office but never actually solved that problem because he didn't actually care about it, but that's why he brought me in. And I remember the day that I solved that problem for him. And I think both of us felt this collective sigh of like, we did it, that was huge. Mind you, this is back in the 2000s when this stuff didn't exist. You can turn this on with two routers today in about 15 minutes, right? But it was hard, it was a lot of work to do in the beginning, two different servers, one at his house, one at his office, and all this sort of hardware that went into it. I think through how much hard work went into the early solutions, and how much innovation and growth happens now. And we take that for granted. So I don't know, be hungry, go dive in, go solve problems. The, the, the uncertainty breeds so much opportunity because the people they were paying a lot of money to solve these problems before in the past and did a mediocre job, it now gives you the ability to do some really good learning and solve it at half the cost structure because you're more innovative than a big company can be. That's my advice to young people. Excellent. Paul Bresden, friend, colleague, media, creative, professional, uh, man of God. Thank you for our time and our conversation, Paul. Yeah, it's an honor to be on here with you. Thank you. And you, you may be hearing from somebody far, far away, uh, wanting to know more about what you can offer. And um, That's great. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm sure you'll link some of the stuff in the show notes, but paul at 454creative.com is my email address. And my last name is Bresenden. My LinkedIn handle is P Bresenden, B-R-E-S-E-N-D-E-N. Good. And I uh, very much encourage anyone listening to our podcast to give Paul a shout, as my Texas grandma would say. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yep. It's a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.